Well, thanks, Harold. So I think Ken gave you guys, I, I've been in the Sunday nights, and uh, if we haven't met, my name is Drew, so thanks for that. <laughs> um, I am part of the team here at Horizon, and I've been doing the Sunday nights while you guys have been doing the, the Monday mornings. So first of all, respect to all of you for how early you have to get up to be here by 6.09. That is a, that is a great commitment. Um, and I want to start with, I think uh, Ken probably gave you the same homework assignment as he gave us, which was to set up a date with your wife and watch one of these classic movies and watch for the characters of manhood in those movies, yeah? So um, if you didn't do that, no shame. <laughs> but uh, that list is on 66 and 67, and I thought it'd be good. Just take a few minutes here at the beginning, and I'll give you some time around the tables. Um, if you had a chance to watch one of those, or if you didn't, but you remember one of those, to talk about what was something that you saw about the characters in those movies that reflected what we've been talking about as the faces of man or one of the qualities of manhood uh, that we've been sharing here. So go ahead, and I'll give you about five minutes around the tables to uh, unpack a little bit of that, and then I'll ask you for some examples. Yeah, well, you think about you know the line like that, that he takes the sword from my hand, because for most of that movie, Ben-Hur is definitely like all warrior. If we talk about the four faces... And just that idea that, you know, as we think about these four faces, and we'll get into the other two today, the idea is that we all have all of them. And so I know as I was going through it, I'm kind of like, oh, well, I'm this one, but I'm not that one. Well, I guess I'm kind of this one, but I'm not that one. And the idea is they're all in there. The question is just when and where do they come out, and do, like, are we figuring out how to move back and forth between which one we need, when, and why? Any from this table before we uh, keep rolling? None from that whole table. That's disappointing. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, I know when, my, when I look at uh, that list of movies, I think one of the things I thought about was as I look at all like the classic you know, guy movies, it struck me because I hadn't really paid attention to it until seeing that list for a homework assignment last week that some of my favorites are probably because the lead character is exhibiting those pieces of authentic manhood, whether they're growing through them, whether they start with them, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, like, like, I think there's a reason that I don't really like Rambo 2 and 3, but First Blood is a really good movie because <laughs> that one had so much more of the character of that guy, what he was struggling against, the battle that he had, um, you know, why the Rocky movies are so good. You know, I, I just I, I love some of that stuff, and I think that speaks to something in us that really does want to be more than just warrior and king, you know? That there is this this lover and this friend inside us that, that God has built into us and he wants to bring out of us. And so, um, as we dive into this this morning, w- one of the things that I wanted you guys just to hear, because I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it, as I've been sitting through these these Sunday nights, and as I keep picking up this book every week and doing my homework and filling in my blanks, there's like a ton of stuff packed into every one of these weeks. And it's the kind of thing where I wish <laughs> that I would sit here for six weeks and say, got it. I am the perfect husband, father, and friend now. Like, I nailed this thing. I'm so glad I took that course. Reality is, um, I think I, I almost feel lucky if I'm getting, like, one thing out of each week that it's like, okay, let me just soak that thing in for this week. And so what I would encourage you is, if you're feeling that way, um, you're not alone, because this is hard. Like, can we own that? To, to do what this stuff is actually saying, this is really hard. 
But that's why I want to commend you guys, because I can't tell you how many guys I've heard do this material or something like this, and in my own life, when I've seen like personal growth, and there's something I've learned, and then I say, I wish I knew this 15 years ago. <laughs> or, or when somebody tried to tell me this, I wish I believed them 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever that was. Um, and I've heard that so much from so many different guys. We'll go through something like this, and they'll say, I wish I had this however long ago. So let me just encourage you, even if you've never done this material before, you've got it now. So five years from now, you won't have to add five years to the however long ago you wish you had it. <laughs> so take that in. Know that it is hard, but it is worth it. It's risky, but the reward is huge. And if you can take what you've learned in these five weeks, four weeks, six weeks, as we keep going, and take a few minutes to just flip back through the pages. Like, find a margin where you jotted something down. Find one of those homework assignments that you gave yourself one of those weeks and do it again. Um, because that perseverance, when it starts to build that rhythm, is when you really start to kind of see some of that change. Um, so I'll just give that to you in encouragement, because I know, I know I need it myself. Otherwise, I get to the end of the book, I close the cover, and I say, well, shoot, <laughs> I just did six weeks, and I feel the same. You know, this is, this is kind of the stuff that it gives us to start practicing. So last week, uh, we unpacked two of the four faces of manhood, the king face and the warrior face. And the king face creates order and provision. It provides direction. It leads with integrity. And it allows us to be a blessing to those entrusted to our care. And I think that was really the thing last week that stuck with me more than anything else. Um, I was talking to Ken afterwards, and he used this phrase about the king, that the king is the lead servant. I thought, what a cool picture, you know, that it's not this idea of I'm the king, you serve me, but it's I'm the king, I serve you. Um, obviously, Jesus is the ultimate picture of that. It, it makes a lot of sense out of calling him the king of kings, that even though we serve God, he came to serve us. Um, the warrior face shows our courageous energy and demands from us purposeful initiative. A man who wears the warrior face is a man of action. So this is the guy who fights for what matters most. He knows which battles are the ones worth fighting. So those are the two that we looked at last week. And uh, just so you know, if you've ever missed any of these, you can jump on Horizon's website and hear the audio from the weeks that you missed and, and catch up on some of that too. Now in this session, we're going to look at the lover face and the friend face. And I'm just going to tell you up front, every time I say lover face... This sounds kind of silly. Like, I was joking with my wife. This is either like a goofy term of endearment or like an insult. You know, like, eh, lover face. You know, I don't know. So, so I'm just going to own that. I feel weird when I say it. But, but I, I think part of it almost is because of that thing we need to dig under, that we are often not in touch with our emotions, and being a lover sounds weak. It sounds weird. Um, Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Uh, I'll tell you what, I am learning. There's stuff on here that, that same thing. I joke with my wife and I, I, and I joke with my kids. Like, I'm still learning this stuff. I'm still trying to figure this out. But <clears throat> let me go tell all of the men how to be the ultimate. You're right. You know, this is a journey that we are on together. And there's good stuff here. So I would not say that I am the expert. I would say that I am growing. <laughs> I would say that if you compare me today to five years ago, uh, I think I'm trending upward. Uh, but definitely, this is stuff that's worth looking at. So these faces stretch our relational capacity, even though they can be unnatural for many men. 
You know, a lot of men suffer from a stunted and reduced masculinity because they've never valued or learned to navigate their own heart, their own feelings, and their own emotions. I mean, I, I won't kid you. For most of us, we hear a line like that. How would you all feel if I gave you an invitation this morning to come and talk about your feelings? Come on, guys, let's talk about our feelings. I'd be like, look, I don't know what you mean by that, but I'm probably skipping it, right? Um, And it's not that we don't know they're there. It's that we just haven't always figured out how to handle them. And we often feel really uncomfortable talking about them to someone else, let alone to other guys. In fact, oftentimes, even with our spouse, our wives, Those are places where we feel like we don't quite know how to express what are we really feeling, whether it's anger, whether it's frustration, whether it's love. And so part of what we're trying to do here is take take a man and say, it's not just in my head what I think or how I strategize. It's not just with my hands, my work, or what I do, but it's in my heart. It is what I feel. And that rather than thinking of that as a weakness or something strange that like some guys do, that that actually brings us strength when we get in touch with that. So this relational capacity requires men to engage emotionally. And there's this interesting passage uh, here from 1 Thessalonians 2 where Paul, who was traveling the world, changing people's lives by telling them about God and about Christ, he, he uses this language. He says, Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. So how many times have you gone up to somebody you cared for and said, like a nursing mother, I cared for you? (laughs) Right? One of the most influential men in all of history, whatever you believe about what he believed or what he wrote, He's one of the most influential men in all of history. And this is how in touch he is with that feeling side and the care he has for other people and how he seeks to bless and love them. He refers to them almost actually in those motherly terms. I just think that's really interesting. And according to Stu Weber, whether on a football field, in a battle zone, or under the roof of your own home, a man's willingness to show affection and care, to connect, mark him as a leader and a man of God. And so that's going to relate to our wives, our kids, and our friends. And I think really a piece of what is going on there is that if I'm strong enough to own my emotions, that makes me much more effective in those relationships. And so the first face we're looking at today is the lover face, showing tender care. So the lover face is primarily associated with tender care for others and willingness to be emotionally vulnerable. Now there's another word. Guys, I would love it if we could just get together on a Monday morning and just be vulnerable. Who signs up for that? <laughs> you know, there's like this little piece of you that maybe wants to. And then there's this huge piece of you that's like, <clears throat> I don't know about that. <clears throat> I mean, I'll, I'll admit, even uh, even for this very group, you know, I'm part of the team that is working on, you know, what time of the week would work? Can we get Ken Kington out here? You know, all that kind of stuff. And then somebody says, well, are you going to go? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, what if they make me vulnerable i think did john kirby say they're gonna sit around tables because you know i mean i you know i don't know i don't even know these guys that well right there's a piece of us that wants to kind of pull back from that even though i've seen like the the value of what i'm teaching you this morning there's still this little piece of us that says i don't think vulnerable that's scary hey 
Yeah, we're guys. We love taking risks, right? So step into this. Be vulnerable. That will open up just a world of strength in your relationships. So the lover face reflects relational energy. It's characterized by tenderness, sensitivity, beneficial care, emotional openness, physical affection, and verbal communication. All of the things that don't describe Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator at all, <laughs> right? But it's the kind of thing that, you, you know, I think about Rocky again, and it's like, well, you know, for as much as he was punching guys in the face, there's a lot of tenderness, beneficial care. That stuff is showing up in some of those pictures of men that we really gravitate toward, and this can be us. So when the lover face is in action, you see here a list of some of the things that, that happen. One of those is that the face of the lover picks up on his wife's real needs. The face of the lover knows how to spend together time with his wife. Now, those are a couple that I think are strangely different from, like, the courting phase when you're dating or when you're engaged. For a lot of guys, that, that kind of flips a switch when we get married. Because while we're dating... I'm trying to win her over, right? There's something I'm attracted to. There's something I want. And so I'm all in and I'm selfless and we're buying presents and we're going on dates. And, but there's this little piece of it, and that's good. And a lot of that is, is expressing love. But a lot of times we think of lover only as romance. But even in that phase of romance, there's a lot of that that is kind of still really for me, right? Because I want something. I want her. I want her to go on another date with me. I want her to marry me. So we, we woo. But then a lot of times this is where marriages break down because once the marriage happens, that's like, well, now I got what I wanted. Motivation kind of drops off. See, the lover is more than romance. It's more than kind of that self-serving of what would make me happy. This becomes others-centered, right? This this becomes when I deny myself and think, what would bless this woman? You know, what would bless my wife on days where I don't feel like blessing her? And to think through, what does she really need? Is it words of encouragement? You know, what is her love language? Is it quality time together? Am I able to look at the time I spend at work or the time I spend with friends and say, hey, those are good things, but right now I think my wife needs more time. Another one is uh, being there for his family. And so this is where the face of the lover extends not only to the wife, but to kids as well. H how many of you guys have kids? How many of you have adult children? So I think this is really intriguing if you think about adult children as well, because I have seen this with my own dad, where I I'm looking at my own kids trying to figure out how to spend time with them, but kind of reflecting on some of this stuff, I've realized how important it is to me that that my dad is still creating that kind of time to feed into our relationship, even though he's not teaching me like he did when I was seven, that he's always a phone call away, that when I bug him with a phone call and I do that, like, hey, Dad, you got five minutes? And he knows it's going to be an hour. <laughs> you know, that when, uh, when I go back to visit, we find time to grab lunch, you know, those kinds of things, that he's still creating that time for me. Um, so a lot of this doesn't change. You know, the content of the conversations, you know, the things you might talk about or the things you might do together can change. 
but those relationships continue. It allows you to connect on an emotional level. It allows you to become a student of your kids. I think of your wife, too, and really, even as we get to the friend face in a minute, of your friends. But I know this is the one that I've, I've really been thinking about the most. Am I a student of my kids? Because it's one thing to just, like, wake up, have a day, go to bed, and wake up again the next day, and you kind of coast through life. But to be a student of my kids, to think about what their needs are, that, that makes me have to slow down. And I've got four kids. Our, our oldest, our daughter is nine. We've got twin boys that are seven, and our little guy is five. Can I figure out, like, what would bless, what would speak love to Axel today? And how is that different from what would speak love to Bell or to Simeon or to Obed? Do I know them well enough? Because then I have to start thinking about what kind of questions am I asking? What am I listening for? How am I praying about them to become a student of them in that way? You know, the face of the lover says, I love you. That's an uncomfortable phrase for some of us. But to be able to say, I love you, I'm proud of you, and be specific about why. You're special, and be specific about why. Good examples of warriors who could also wear the lover face. One that it gives here is U.S. Army Major Sullivan Bayou, and I, I think this is a really interesting one. And so you can see the link is at the bottom of the page there. That link takes you to a letter that he wrote as he went into battle, into a battle that he believed would probably claim his life, and ultimately did. And so this was a letter he wrote his wife before going into that battle to express to her the love that he had for her, knowing that these were probably the last words she would ever receive from him. So I thought about reading it to you, but it felt like if I was reading his letter to his wife, it it felt cheesy to me. But I think it's really worth reading because it got me thinking about, like, what would I write to my wife? And maybe I don't need to wait till I'm going to die in battle. Maybe I just write her a letter sometime. Like, that would probably shock her socks off to, to get a love letter from me. Um, but that's worth reading if you, if you check that out. You know, King David, who we've talked about from time to time, is another one. A guy who could go into battle, who could lead men, who could lead nations. But he was also a poet. Wrote many of what we call the Psalms in the Bible, where he could unpack his heart, his feeling, his doubts, his fears, his joys, his victories. And so that's one of the places you see some of the balance that comes in these faces. Because often we run into our family and we're always king, we're always warrior, but can we figure out how to shift to the face of the lover? So caricatures of the lover face, and I think we're missing slides for the first two here, but if a man's lover face is pushed too far, he can show love by becoming critical, harsh, and demanding of his wife and kids. That's the micromanager. The micromanager. I know this This is one that I drift into at times. And there's a part of me that's thinking, my job is to train my kids how to live the right way. But sometimes that shifts into, like, what shelf the milk goes on, <laughs> which probably isn't really a critical thing. Who put the milk on this shelf, right? It shifts into um, that critique. You know, the coaching turns into critique if we overdo this piece of it. Another option is a cold and withdrawn man, disconnected, detached, and isolated. So that's the word isolated there. Now, this is the guy who's in his own head. I worked all day. Now, your job, family, is to leave me alone, right? And the third one, if a man's lover face is pushed too far, he can also become over-dependent on women or relationships in general. This is the oversensitive. 
And essentially what's happening with the oversensitive is, is this is a guy who is always looking for someone else to take care of him. And so sometimes you see this in a guy who just jumps from relationship to relationship to relationship. And when you know, the woman realizes that all he's doing is taking, not giving, then that thing falls apart and he looks for somebody else that can do the same thing. So that's definitely one, one broken caricature of the lover face. So as you think about the face of the lover, I think what I would encourage you is, you know, whether you have young kids at home, whether you have adult kids, you know, whatever your relationships look like, I think one of the pieces here is that we push out from ourselves and focus on others. And if you have kids in the home, you can kind of think about how do you let your kids see you love mom, right? See you love other friends? Do they get to see that example? Because for a lot of us, that's what's missing. Like we never saw that demonstrated and so we don't know how to do it. Well, you've got an opportunity to demonstrate that no matter what part of that journey that you are in right now. Maybe before we move on to the friend face, one other thing I'll give you there is there's this idea through all of these faces of man that the person who does this perfectly is not you, it's actually Jesus. And this is really interesting because... (laughs) Because we, we hear God is love, and he so loved the world, he sent his only son, and, and all these kinds of things. Um, but Jesus actually uses marriage language to talk about how he loves us. And as a guy, that could feel kind of weird. But one of the passages that I love the most, because it tells me how he feels about me, and it tells me how to feel about my wife. If you ever dig into uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it says that I am to love my wife as Christ loves the church. Meaning the people who have been called out, the people who are following him. And then I think, well, that might be a different word, love, then, because that's not just going on a date, <laughs> right? That's sacrificial. That's sacrificial love. And that he ultimately gave his life for us. If that's the standard, that's the picture of what the face of the lover looks like, And to be honest, I need to tap into his love to even be able to begin to do that to the people around me. So that's the lover face. The other one is the friend face, pursuing character-shaping friendships. And I'm excited about this one because as we were getting sign-ups and people kind of getting pulled together for, for this authentic manhood journey, I was shocked how many guys came to me and said, I want to be a part of that because I just feel like I need deeper relationships with men. I need deeper friendships with other guys. So, so there's some piece of this that may be awkward, but I'm giving everybody permission around all these tables to just be awkward and tell these other guys, hey, I'm here because I want deeper friendships with guys because that's built into us. We long for that. You know, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. That's one of the things I love in that movie is the friendship you see between Samwise and Frodo that is like to the ends of the earth kind of friendship. That's love. I don't know about you, but I've got a couple deep friendships that were hard to form, risky to form. And the first time I kind of look at one of these friends and say, I love you. Uh, I mean, um, I love you, man. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Was that weird? You know, like, right? <laughs> like, is there anything that feels more like I wasn't supposed to say that than I love you to another guy? To just say, hey, you and me are friends and I would die for you. Because I've seen you die for me. I've seen you sacrifice for me. And I want that, to be able to lock arms that way and to realize that you have a friendship of love. 
Because culture does not talk about love that way. It only talks about love as romance or really lust. And we say love, but it's not what we meant. <laughs> and so then we say, well, I don't know how to love my kids because that's if love is romance, I don't romance my kids. If I don't know how to love my dad, and he didn't know how to love me because we didn't know what love was. But if this is what love is, that I can love my kids, love my wife, love my friends, because the biggest part of that is that love is a self-sacrificing action. So the friend face is primarily associated with man's relational capacity to connect with other men. I I know the place I hit this in my own life is when I realized I had like 50 friends, but really I had like 50 acquaintances and no friends. (laughs) No friends. (laughs) Right? But it's true. Like there was no depth there. So the friend face reflects connecting energy because it's characterized by loyalty, accountability, encouragement, challenge, and fun. And I think if you had asked me my definition of friendship when I was, say, a teenager, it was only the bottom one. It was fun. Fun is what friends are for. But there's no loyalty in fun. There's not a lot of encouragement in fun. And absolutely, I do not want you challenging me to grow, and I don't want you holding me accountable to anything. Like, dude, we're just friends. Right, But as I've grown, and as I've recognized, I I know part of what happens in a guy, because it happened to me, is that there are parts of us that we don't want to be in touch with. There are parts of us that are broken. You know, when you flip through this thing, and you read some of these stories, and you say, that sounds too much like me, or that doesn't sound enough like me. And there's pieces of that that we don't want to let other people in on, because it feels like we're admitting weakness. Guys, there are places that we are weak. There are absolutely places that I have been weak that I say, you know what, let me hide that thing until I figure that thing out. Well, just from a resource management perspective, I am not going to figure that out on my own. We need relationships with other guys that can call us out. They can say, hey, you told me you were going to work on being more selfless with your wife this week. How's that going? Hey, you told me you were going to try to schedule two dates a month. Is that working? Did you find a babysitter? Just that little conversation with somebody who knows how to track with you. Um, That accountability, I think, is huge. And I know in my life, that was one of the pieces that was missing when I was younger, that once I found that and said, hey, I need to find another guy, a couple of guys, a few guys that I trust enough that even though it may still feel scary, I can call them up and say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with today. Hey, that thing that we talked about, here's how that's coming up right now. Here's how I'm seeing victory. Can you give me some insight? Can you give me some encouragement? Tell me about your own journey. Where have you been and how do you battle this? Um, That is huge for guys. And I'll tell you, I I don't know, maybe you've got that and you're on the inside. You're like, yeah, Drew, glad you figured it out. (laughs) Awesome for you. Um, If you're sitting here and, and some of those words are not a piece of it, let me just tell you, there are things that will tell us that that is way too scary, that that's way too risky. I'm just going to tell you, high risk, high reward. It's worth it. It's worth it. So we must learn to initiate genuine friendship with other men. Great friendship provides companions who can carry burdens and celebrate life's greatest moments with us. So we just think for a minute in yourself. Do you have friends like that? I'll tell you a story. I know when I, was in, when I was in high school, this was one of the times where, like, I think I've got a lot of friends. 
and you have a lot of these experiences together. Like one thing you'll see in the homework today is that there's this idea that guys bond when they share memorable experiences. And so this is probably a silly memorable experience. But when we were in high school, a buddy of mine every year would invite basically all the guys from our class to his birthday party. And we would make it a three-on-three tournament playing basketball. So he would invite like 40 guys over to his house. We'd split up in teams. We'd do three-on-three. And so we'd be playing games all day, do this whole tournament. It was awesome, you know, hanging out with a ton of guys. Then when that's done, you're playing video games, we're eating pizza. Um, We're doing all this fun stuff. And I remember one year... He had bought this tiny little bottle of Dave's Insanity Sauce, which I think you can actually get it over at Jungle Gym. I think I found it there once. So this is the kind of sauce that when you read the back of it, what is this sauce good for? Seasoning food, causing heart attacks, and stripping the driveway. (laughs) It's like, oh, but I'm a man. (laughs) Give me some of that Insanity Sauce, right? So basically, like, we didn't really eat this. We just used it as a challenge, right? Like, who could handle, and you would do, like, one drop. It would light you on fire and your belly would ache for the rest of the day. So one one year at this party, it's like, hey, everyone's going to go around and see who can handle the insanity sauce. And so we all did a drop of it and everybody's dying and we all laugh at it and, and you have a good time. Then later in the evening, everybody goes to sleep, except there was a few of us still playing Mario Kart. <laughs> and we get this hilarious idea because there's leftover pizza in the kitchen. And we know that Steins is going to be the first one to wake up in the morning, and he's going to want pizza. Because everybody loves cold pizza the next morning, right? So, so we go back into the kitchen. There's one pizza left, and there's maybe eight or ten pieces. Lift the cheese on one piece. Put some Dave's Insanity sauce on there. Put the cheese back down, because you'll never know. And then mangle all the other pieces so there's like one glowing piece of pizza in the middle of this box. Because somebody's going to get it and we think it's Stein's and it's going to be hilarious. So then we go to sleep and we wake up in the morning to the sound of hacking (laughs) and coughing. And it's like, oh man, he's getting it good in there, you know. Wait a minute, Stein's is still asleep. (laughs) Who's eating the pizza? It was my buddy's aunt who lived with them. Came downstairs, bites the pizza. She starts flipping out, throws the pizza on the floor. Now the dog is eating the pizza. (laughs) So now she's late to work and the dog is throwing up. (laughs) And we're we're laying in the other room like, his dad is going to kill us. (laughs) So, and we did receive what I would refer to as a gracious but stern talking to about Dave's insanity sauce. So, so here's the reason I tell you that story, because that was, that was really memorable. One of the things I learned is when you mess with hot sauce, wash your hands very well. Because when I went back to Mario Kart and we're just playing and my eye itches a little bit and then And I spent like 45 minutes with my face in a sink full of ice water thinking, I am going blind. This was not worth it. (laughs) So that's a funny story. We still tell that story. We laugh at that thing. But when I think about it, here's the thing. That's fun. That's bonding. But that's only a piece of friendship. Because when I think about the three guys that who were there, two of those guys I really don't talk to anymore. So we, we share a memory. But we don't share a friendship. One of those guys, I know he's a friend. Because we go through these kinds of things together because when his wife left him, he called me. There's something more there. 
And part of that is because we share memories, we bond, you know, over goofy stuff like that that fortunately is <laughs> goofy and didn't end up dangerous. But part of it is because there are later moments where you say, hey, if we're going to stay friends, I think we need this level of honesty. Hey, if we're going to stay friends, I think we need this level of time commitment. Even though we're moving away, I'm going to keep calling you. You call me too. You know, that you commit to that kind of thing. You initiate that kind of thing. You know, and that can be really awkward. You know, one of my best friends I just met a few years ago had this super awkward conversation where it felt like we were kind of hitting it off. But man, is it hard to schedule time with other guys when you are so busy. You're both working. You both have families. And so I just said, you know what? I feel like, I feel like we could be really good friends. So why don't we just commit to that? Let's start, let's start hanging out more. Let's schedule time maybe a couple times a month. Let's go get coffee. It's like, oops, what if that doesn't work out? What if we don't like each other that much after all? And, and again, it feels risky, but it's worth it. And he's a guy that has been there for me through some of my, my biggest challenges, growing through some of my hardest stuff. And now I've been able to be there for him as well. And so I'll tell you, you can't climb the mountain of manhood and reach its pinnacles if you are disconnected from other men. You need their help. You need their support. That's why Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Guys, you were born for this. Proverbs 27, 17 says iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. This kind of biblical soul level friendship is priceless. They require our time and they require us to be others centered. So one question you you could ask yourself about the friend face is this. Would you want to be friends with you? I think that's a challenging question. There are caricatures of the friend face as well. If a man's friend face is pushed too far, he can become dependent on those around him. That's the leech. Always taking, never giving. If a man does not have enough of the friend face... Then you get the typical friendless, disconnected male, the loner. That's a caricature that we're probably more familiar with in our culture. And so we want to pursue character-shaping friendships. So our conclusion here, it just says, Wise is the man who can learn to wear these different faces of manhood. Because we don't disparage any of them, but we watch for the caricatures and we try to figure out, how do I balance these? And like everything we've said, point number two there, you cannot fully embrace these four faces of manhood unless you first embrace a right relationship with God and the provision he has made for us through Jesus Christ. I think that's, that's a pretty strong statement to just type it out at the end of the page and just drop it right there. But I have absolutely found this to be true in my own life. You know, I think about places that you know, I've been broken or I've been weak because I wasn't willing to look into what was I really feeling. And the difference between, you know, maybe if you say that Drew and this Drew is giving it to God. Saying, God, I recognize that you know me better than I know myself. And he knows your kids better than you know them. He knows your wife better than you know her. And he loves them. And he wants to help you love them. And this idea that when I get, when I dig deeper and I begin to recognize that this is how God really made me and if this is what he's invited me into and if he says he's got the power to give to me to be able to actually succeed at that thing, 
then that's kind of where it all comes together. And so I wanted to give you just um, a, a couple of verses that I really think are interesting here, and then we'll uh, have our discussion time. You know, one that we just saw uh, coming out of Ephesians, and how he talks to us with that lover language, that he loves us like a spouse. But here's another one that I don't know if you know that this is in here. But when we talk about the friend face, in John 15, this is verses uh, 13 through 15, Jesus says that he wants you to be his friend. He says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And there's another one in James 2.23, where it says of Abraham, one of the, the pillars of faith in the Old Testament, he believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Like, let that in for a second. If God is who the Bible says that he is, that he created the entire universe from nothing, he spoke, and it came to be. And he looks at you and says, want to be friends? I want to commit to you for the long haul, he says. I want to sacrifice for you. I want to love you in a way that you've never seen it before. And I want you to be able to look back at me and say, I love you too, God. Like, how amazing is that? I know it blows my mind. So here's what I'll give you. On the next page, there's a few questions that you can kind of work through. Um, So I'll give you some time around your tables to do that. And really, it's kind of asking, you know, which of these do you feel like you need to work on more? And kind of what might be things that you do to, to work on that? And so even as you think about that, you know, you don't have to necessarily put this piece out at the table. But think about where might you need to say, hey, God, can you help me with this? So go ahead and take some time around your tables now and go through those questions and then I'll call us back together. Did you come up with anything good? I'd love to get a little bit of feedback, maybe one from each table on something that uh, you felt like you could specifically do this week, either on the friend side or the lover side, to encourage wife, kids, friends, um, because I'm going to write those down and steal them and do them with my family. So... (laughs) So what, what did you come up with? What do you got you could share with us? Harold volunteers everybody else. At his, so don't sit at Harold's table. Okay, that's what we're learning today. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's definitely... Uh, so I'm not kidding. Today's my day off. So after this, I'm going home to be with the kids and the wife. So, <laughs> so But that's perfect. I mean, that's, the, that's what I was talking about, being a student of the kids. You know? Good. That's good. Yeah, I think the word, at least for me, the strongest word there is schedule. I was talking to somebody recently who we had this, you know, funny conversation about how how guys are so awesome being like, you know, we should do lunch. Oh, yeah, we totally should. Yeah, let's do lunch sometime. That's going to be great. We are so, okay, great. We're going to do lunch. And then, you, and then a month later, you know, we should do lunch. Yeah, weren't we going to do lunch? Yeah, I thought we were going to do lunch. Hey, let's do lunch. Okay, we're totally going to do lunch. You know, unless, you know, so his thing was do not leave the conversation until you put it on the calendar. And so the, the totally lame thing was that the two of us were talking about getting lunch, and we haven't yet, and we didn't, because we didn't schedule it. It was like the self-fulfilling prophecy, you know. Um, so that's a strong word, I think, to actually schedule that thing. Um, well, I want to give you guys two more little things that, uh, that I thought of. One is from a father-in-law, and one is from Chad, that um, kind of go along these same lines. 
and then I'll give you your assignment for next week, and we'll be done. So one of these was just a little thing that I noticed my father-in-law does as a uh, kind of a love action towards his wife. Whenever he leaves early enough that he's gone before she wakes up, he just writes her a little note. And just two or three sentences, I love you, have a good day kind of thing, but that demonstrates that he, he is thinking about her, he's praying for her, whatever that is. Um, and so I stole that one from him, and I, I've started doing that uh, with my own wife. It, it, it's her dad that I learned this from, and I know it's blessed her when he's done that for her. Um, so the days that I leave earlier than that, and I try to think of, like, have at least one of those sentences be unique to today. Like, how am I praying for you today? That makes me stop and think about what is her day going to be like? What is she doing with the kids? Um, that I can, you know, pray for her on that thing. Um, and the other one, kind of to your point about scheduling into work or family time, you know, to, to make these things fit. Um, I won't go all into detail, but I know there was a part of my life where I had so many things going on, all good things, you know, work and ministry and whatever else related, that um, really Chad was one of the guys that pushed on me that you, you're going to have to give some of that up if you're going to invest in friends and family well. And that was hard because it was like good stuff and stuff that I loved. And I remember having a conversation with him that was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss these things. Like, I'm going to mourn this loss of stuff I have to give up or places I have to change or the opportunities it feels like it's going to cost me because I do less of this to try to do more of this. And I feel like I have this capacity. I feel like I've got this creativity. I've got this strategy that I'm using it over here. I'm using it over here. So to, to give that up. And so one thing that he gave me that I thought was really encouraging was you know, if you think about the places you carve into work and maybe that gives up this work opportunity, but it creates this opportunity with your kids and it might create an opportunity for them. Um, and so the words that he used were you take, you take the energy and the creativity that you were giving to this place and redirect it. So what, can I be just as intentional, just as strategic, and just as creative in developing a relationship with my kids? You know, where there may not be a boss, like, keeping track of me and saying, hey, did you meet your yearly goals? <laughs> but, but can I actually think through some of those kinds of things and say, hey, what would it look like to take my daughter on a date twice a month for the next year? You know, what, are, what are some of those places? How often am I going to go ice skating <laughs> or whatever that is? But to take that same energy and apply it uh, that way to your kids. I know that really clicked for me because this, the... I don't just stumble into having fun like a guy like Chad does. I actually have to, like, plan and be strategic and that kind of thing. So it's like you can take what is strong in you and apply it that way to family and to friends. So, well, hey, for next, uh, next week's assignment, here's what I think would be fun. On page 82, there's, this play, there's a piece called Finding Compañeros. And this is really good because it's got some really action-oriented stuff that says, hey, if you want to develop these kinds of friendships – Here's kind of what that could look like. Um, so I'd say read those few pages. And then on page 85, it's got this list of 10 possible road trips. So these kinds of things where you can create an event, create a memorable moment with other guys and use the time to get to know each other better. Um, so, so maybe you look at that and say, I would love to get some guys and go to Nathan's hot dog eating contest. <laughs> but what I thought would be kind of fun to share next week um, is if you have done this kind of thing before, or if you know something uniquely around Cincinnati, that you would say, here's a great thing to take three or four other guys, go do this thing, it will be memorable, and what a way to kick off a friendship. Because after our sixth week, um, you know, there's going to be a couple months of nothing. You could take some of that time and say, hey, guys at my table, let's go do this thing.
Uh, and then I'll just give you an invitation because um, next week is the last week. And one thing is that we would love to hear from you guys. What was it that made you sign up for this? The content, Ken Kington, uh, just because Monday morning is the best time, all of the above. So as you're kind of thinking about that, you know, drop us an email, grab me in the hallway, because um, we, we're thinking ahead for kind of what is coming next, um, you know, for guys here around Horizon. And so we'd love to hear some of that from you. I may, I may have a feedback form next week even, but uh, even just conversationally, that's, that's always fun to hear. So, well, why don't I pray for us, and then uh, we'll head into our days. Lord, I thank you so much for the guys that are here. I thank you for this content. I know it's a lot to take in. But, Lord, we know that you are doing good work in us. And I just thank you for the commitment that they have made and, Lord, for the desire that they have to be stronger men. And so as we pray about just the face of the friend and of the lover, God, I ask that what you want to sink into our hearts would just stick with us even as we walk out of this place and go into our days. Um, Lord, I know I pray for myself that the things that in this moment I'm excited to have a chance to do today, I wouldn't forget them by the time I leave this room, but that uh, I would carry it with me. And I pray that for these guys, too. Lord, that even by next week we'd be able to share a little bit of a victory that we've seen from applying some of this to our own families and to our own friendships. God, I thank you for how much you love us. I thank you that you offer friendship to us, uh, even despite all the mistakes that we might have made in our lives, that you see us as worth it and valuable and that, uh, and that you love us for the men that we are. God, we thank you for that, and we give this day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for being here.